Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. You always say play better. Just play better. You know what? The 49ers are under attack by other teams in the league. You know what for? Because they get compensatory picks because they do a better job of hiring and developing minority coaches so the league rewards them and the other guys in the league are saying, wow, we don't like it. As the great Bob Hebid Street, a bartender to the stars in Bloomington, Indiana, used to say, hey, play better. Hey, Neon Dion says there is no NIL, only pay for play, and he ain't wrong. And we got a president that doesn't know, wait a second, is this my ass or is this third base? Don't at me starts right now. not going to lie, it's always been one of my favorite things. My father said it to me a long time ago. Yeah, son, you don't know your ass from third base. And I used to always go, huh, dad. And I'd put two hands on my butt cheeks and go, I think this is third base, but I'm not sure. And then he would laugh and I would laugh and the world would laugh. And we'll get into our president not knowing his ass from third base in a minute. But In the words of the great Nick's bartender, Yogi's bartender, used to own the peanut barrel, Bob Heben Street. Hey, play better. You'd be playing golf. You'd get to the nine, and you're like, Hebe, you guys are kicking our ass. Can we get some strokes? Hey, play better. It's kind of the modern version of my father's motto, sack up. It's kind of the, the way you're supposed to do it out in the field, yo. Instead of like, hey, sack up, play better. Well, look, everybody in the NFL, not everybody, but a lot of folks in the NFL are whining, bitching, and moaning at the 49ers. Why are they whining, bitching, and moaning at the 49ers? They're whining, bitching, moaning at the 49ers because the 49ers keep getting picks from the NFL. They keep getting extra draft picks. And you're saying to me, double D. And I say yes. And you say, why? Why do they keep getting draft picks? Well, you know that Roger Goodell is the guy for diversity. He would rather have diversity than a successful Super Bowl. He would rather have diversity than a night. Well, never mind. I'm not going to get risque. Diversity, 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 because Roger Goodell in the NFL pay attention to all the little scorecards, the Harry Edwards of the world. I don't even know if he's alive, but I just remembered his name from the other day. Oh, my God, don't tell me. Reverend Al is coming in to pick it. They paid him the hundred thousand. You got to pay for Reverend Al to come in and pick it. That's like, that's like Roger Goodell's worst dream. So what does Roger Goodell do? He gives out compensatory picks. He says, "Hey, here's the deal. We're going to give you extra draft picks if you hire and develop minority coaches that get through our minority program that get hired." It's really idiotic and insulting. Of course it is. I mean, what are you going to do? But that's the NFL. So the 49ers said, hey, we'll do that. Hell yeah, we'll do that. So they did it. They got picks. And the NFL has others pissed. This is what is being said. 
We know he can hire well and diverse, talking about the 49ers. In fact, owners have complained to the near uh, the to the league office about the sheer number of compensatory picks the 49ers have received for serving as a pipeline for coaches for as a pipeline for coaches and executives of colors. It's really complete jackassery. I mean, let's be honest. Hey, man, hire a couple brothers here, get them jobs somewhere else, and next thing you know, uh, you're going to get picks. It's really stupid. It, it's, it's absolutely uh, demeaning, if you want to know the truth. It's like, what are y'all doing? But it's the world that we live in. So Goodell incentivizes it. The 49ers are better than anyone at it. And next thing you know, boom, boom, everybody's bitching. Now, here's the thing. The 49ers have used their picks well. The 49ers have done everything in their organization to make them a better team than you. To make them a team that they can start Mr. Irrelevant or Jimmy Garoppolo or Joe Willie Namath or me or Joe Theismann, who's joining the show in a little bit, can start all of us at quarterback and we'll get to the NFC Championship game and probably the Super Bowl. I mean, it is an organization unlike any other. But... But it is a ridiculous, a ridiculous way to go about the business. It is. It is. Uh, I, it, it, they've had seven compensatory picks. The 49ers had seven compensatory picks in the 2023 draft alone, which is the maximum amount allowed. Three of them were third-round picks granted via the league's minority hiring incentive program. Current starting quarterback, Brock Purdy, the last selection of the 2022 draft, joined the 49ers as a compensatory pick. Why do you think they're pissed? They're whooping ass, they're getting extra, and the quarterback is a product of a compensatory pick. This is really stupid. Like, this is really, really ridiculous. You get seven extra picks in one draft because you say, hey, I'm going to develop Mike McDonald, who is whiter than me, or white as me, but you know what? He's a minority. Here are the picks, or here are the quarter, or the coaches that they develop, Robert Sala, D'Amico Ryans, and Mike McDaniel. So they developed these three guys, I guess. I mean, I don't know. They, they hired them. So I'm guessing they developed them or they were in, I don't know, they were in the, the system. And by developing them or by them going and getting other jobs, they get picks. Here's the list. Pick 99, pick 101, 102. That's three right there. 11 picks in the NFL draft in 2020. That's unbelievable. That's good. Uh, the Miami Dolphins hired Mike McDaniel in 2022, leading to a 2022 third-round pick and a 2023 third-round pick just because they hired Mike McDaniel. That don't seem right. The Titans hired Ron Carthon, who was director of player personnel in early 2023. It landed the 49ers a 2023 and 2024 pick. Robert Sala to the Jets, Martin Mayhew to the Commanders were hired in 2021. Meaning, 
the 49ers received just one extra compensatory pick for Mayhew because they were given three compensatory picks, third pick in the third draft, which happened this year. 49ers received picks for Sala in 2021 and 2022. How about that? D'Amico Ryan's pick gets received in 2025 because Carthon was hired first and all this other mumbo-jumbo. Don't get mad, NFL teams. Use the system. Don't get mad, NFL teams. Hire a bunch of dudes. A couple will get hired somewhere, somehow, and next thing you know, your toes are tapping. And you got a starting quarterback. See the guy on the right, number 13? Compensatory pick. Wow. I didn't know this kind of stuff went on. And when we started seeing this, I started thinking to myself, this is ridiculous, number one, but it's the NFL, and it's really smart, number two. Good for Kyle Shanahan. Hey, look, as the great Bob Heben Street would say, play better. Danny, play better. Chargers, hire better. Hey, if I were the Jets, I wouldn't hire Salah. Screw that. I don't want to hire anybody that gets picks. A neon Deion Sanders, uh, I don't blame him. If you're going to go to the Super Bowl and you're going to interview somebody, the guy you want to interview is Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders is all the rage. I like Deion Sanders. I'm guessing uh, Deion Sanders would be the worst human being in the world to work for. Uh, I can't imagine there would be anything worse than as self-involved as he is, and he's got his kids there, I think it'd be horrible. So I just saw a guy got hired by him, and I remember thinking to myself, guarantee you, I'm not going to say the guy's name, but I wrote it down, and I'm tracking this. He'll be out by the end of the year. I like Dion, though. I don't have to work for him. I don't have to work around him. I don't have to talk to him. But Dion Sanders got interviewed, and he explained very well, I thought, the difference between NIL and pay-for-play. What's transpiring, let me give you a little background. NIL means you come to college, like you Indiana fans, you come to college, you play well, you get a deal. Now it's, hey, there's collectives, and in those collectives, we're paying you to come to our college. That's pay for play. NIL means Trace Jackson Davis had a really nice career at Indiana, and after his freshman year, a bunch of people said, hey, we want you to represent us. We're going to give you a deal. That's NIL. That doesn't exist anymore. We've talked about it on this show. Here's what Dion had to say. NIL is not really what you think it is. All these kids are not getting NIL. What he's saying is these kids are not getting money based on their name, their image, their likeness, their play, their name recognition. That's not what they're getting. These kids are getting collectives. What collectives are is a group of guys in Indiana, it's called the Hoosier Hysterics, that raise a bunch of money into a pot, and then they try to buy players. If we took up an offering, uh, if we took up an offering up in this classroom, we passed the bucket like a church, and you put this collection plate, and you put your collective in, and then we say, you know what? We got 10 players up here. Let's divide that. That player right there should get $10. That player right there should get $20. That's a collective. He's right. But let me explain something to you. And this is not being discussed. And this is why you come to my show. I'm going to give you the anti-ESPN look at it. Many people would then bitch about it and say you got to have contracts. But let me tell you what's been happening in college sports for a long time. Basketball, 
isn't involved. Football isn't involved. I don't think volleyball is involved in this. Softball, baseball. You have X amount of scholarships. You divide those scholarships among players. Somebody gets books. Somebody gets tuition. Somebody gets room. Somebody gets board. Somebody gets a full ride. This type of thing has been going on for years in softball. This type of thing has been going on for years in baseball. Lee won the Big East three or four times as a coach. She had a pitcher named Jenna Kyra. Jenna Kyra could have gone anywhere in the country. Jenna Kyra was a great pitcher. She was Canadian. Lee recruited the breaks off of Jenna Kyra. Jenna Kyra was not coming to Syracuse unless she got a full ride. She was that good. Second baseman, nice player, books. Shortstop, really good player, tuition. This kind of stuff has been going on for a long, long time. I used to walk in. Tracy Smith was the best baseball coach at Indiana when I was there. He was an assistant when I was an assistant. In the year I was a head coach, he was a head baseball coach. And Tracy and I were friends. I'd walk in. On the board, invariably, different times of the year, he would have a layout. Who's getting what money? Parents would come in and negotiate. This is a dirty little secret that no one ever talks about in college athletics. And now it's expanded to football, as Deion Sanders tells you. Football, all right, we got to get that guy a million. That guy will come here for 10 grand. It's the same concept. It's just now outside money is brought in. In baseball and and softball, it was the scholarship money. Let's say you have 13 scholarships and you got 20 kids in your program. You got to divide it up. That's been going on a long time, and Dion's not wrong. Here's what else. NIL is name, image, and likeness. Since I've got time today, I want you to tell me how many players you've seen on commercials. All these college athletes, and you named five. That's not NIL. This is not the day of NIL. That's what it's supposed to be, but it's collectives. That's where it went wrong instead of staying right. He's ab. Absolutely right. But here's the thing. Everybody knew. I tell you this all the time. The NCAA rulebook is that thick. Why is it that thick? The NCAA rulebook started out this thick. Not that thick. Why did it get this thick? Because coaches are scoundrels. Coaches are smart. You put a rule in there. I figure out how to circumvent that rule. So I got to put an addendment in there. I got to put a but in there. You know what I mean? But if you do this, that's why the rule book's so thick. It's so funny. Back in the day when the NCAA rule book actually mattered, people used to get pissed. People used to get like, man, that NCAA rule book is too thick. And I used to sit back and I'd laugh. NCAA didn't do it. Coaches did it. Coaches did it. Coaches said, hey, I'm going to get around this rule. Here's how I'm getting around. So now I look, and that guy's doing this. I either got to do it or turn him in. I never turned anybody in in my life, but that's how the rule book got big. See, here in Indiana, talking of collectives, We get an email, hey, be a part of the Indiana Athletic Department. Give money to our collective. And I remember thinking to myself, 
that goes against every single thing that I stand for. I don't mind NIL. I don't care about NIL. I hope players get over. I hope players get their Lamborghini. doesn't affect me one bit. But when I coached, I saw guys cheat. When I coached, I saw guys break the rules. Wasn't going to do it. Wasn't happening for me. Cost me a lot of money doing things the right way. And I'm very happy that I can look myself in the mirror every freaking day and know I didn't cheat, know I didn't get over. And the fact of the matter is this is cheating. But the problem you have, and I think Patino and others have addressed it, is there's no enforcement. But Deion Sanders is 1,000% right. 1,000%. This isn't NIL. Uh, Gritty, I know you're listening, and you other Indiana fans. NIL would be simply second year. Trace Jackson Davis has a camp. He's doing a car commercial. He's on something else because we all saw how good he was. And he is. But that ain't how it rolls now. And different schools are having problems, including, I'm being told, Indiana. They're giving bags to kids. Taco Bell at Indiana. I think he got a nice bag to come to Indiana. Hard to bench a guy getting a bag. We'll see what happens moving forward. All right, this is the biggest story maybe ever other than Richard Nixon being impeached. This is a big story. This is the biggest story you're ever going to come in contact with, but it's not going to be reported like it should. We have a president. The president of the United States has dementia by a special counsel coming and saying, This guy can't remember when he was vice president, can't remember where he is, can't remember the death of his son, and he's a president. Now, I want you to think about that just for a second. Now, everybody goes to the nuclear codes. Well, he's the guy handling the nuclear codes. Yeah, I get it, but that's our president. Like, this is a world that lost its mind when Dan Quayle didn't spell potato right. I mean, went insane on that. Potato. Now we got a president that a special counsel, independent counsel, came out, interviewed the man, and said, you know what? He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know where he's been. He doesn't know the day his son died. And then yesterday, Biden got up there with his tough guy act and didn't know the difference between the president of Mexico and the president of Egypt. Stopped numerous times to collect himself. This is the biggest story you've ever seen, and you're not seeing a minute of it. I'll give USA Today credit. They are on it. But when you have a president that an independent counsel says has dementia, doesn't know where he is half the time, doesn't remember where his child, when his child got killed, doesn't remember being vice president, and then he goes from there to being the president. This is incredible. This is unbelievable. This is unconscionable. This can't happen in the United States. I get it. Democrats, you want power. Republicans, you want back in. But let's take all that out. This is absurd for the greatest country in the history of the world. Let me give you what the special counsel said. In his interview with our office, Mr. Biden's memory was worse. He did not remember. Now, think about this. When he was vice president, forgetting on the first day of the interview when his term ended, 
if it was 2013, when did I stop being vice president? This is sad as hell. This is dangerous as hell. This is beneath the United States. If you didn't hate the media, you hate them now. This is barely being reported. And forgetting on the second day of his interview, when his term began, listen to this quote. In 2009, am I still vice president? He did not remember, even within several years, when his son Bo died. And his memory appeared hazy when describing Afghanistan. Now, I just want you to think about this for a second. The world made a big deal, I mean a huge deal, because Bill Clinton was fooling around with an intern. I mean, if you had Bill Clinton's wife, you'd fool around with a sheep. But the fact of the matter is, this is the biggest story we've ever seen, other than I've ever seen, other than Richard Nixon's Watergate story. Other than that. I mean, if you think about it, so here comes this special counsel. This special counsel comes out. And what does President Biden do? Immediately goes back and becomes president. There's no uproar. There's no Democrats and Republicans lining up for the 25th Amendment. But here's the problem with the 25th Amendment. You really want Kamala Harris as our president? I mean, do you really? Do you really want that woman leading us? Do you really want that woman standing up? I mean, we're so whacked out. The Indy Star, our hometown paper, comments on everything. Greg Doyle comments on everything. He's got a con- nothing. Not one word. Not a word. I'll give Gannett. At least they made. They said it was a political crisis. Yahoo said eight words and a memory slip. That's how they described it at Yahoo.com. Eight words and a memory slip? This is a little bigger than that. This is a president that doesn't know where the hell he's been. I guarantee you, well, I know, I've had people that work in the White House tell me, it's way worse than you know, and yet we accept it. Because we're so drawn to this party or that party, or because we hate Donald Trump so bad. Donald Trump chimed in. He said, they should immediately drop the case against me. I'm covered because this all came out when the special counsel basically said, let me back up a second, I'll get to this quote, I'm sorry. This all came out because the special counsel said that Joe Biden has such dementia that he can't be tried. He can't be tried for the Presidential Records Act for state taking records. He just doesn't know what the hell he's doing. And that's the bigger issue. I'm sorry, I forgot. I didn't put that in. That's ridiculous. That's the bigger issue. This guy cannot be held accountable for taking presidential records illegally because he has dementia and doesn't know where he is. Yet, he goes from there to the Oval Office and is the leader of the most powerful country in the world. But he can't be held accountable for the stuff that he did because he has dementia, but he's supposed to be our president, and none of these idiots in the media, none of them, there isn't an uproar here in Congress. Republicans and Democrats aren't saying this is get him out. They're not. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? Our nation turns its lonely eyes to you. Poo, poo, poo. So Trump sees this, and Trump's an opportunist. He knows the deal. And like any other guy trying to get out of any kind of criminal offense, he chimes in with his own. They should immediately drop the case against me, Trump told Fox News. I am covered by the President's Records Act. He wasn't. He had many times more documents, totally unguarded. Mine were always surrounded by Secret Service and in locked rooms. Well, we know. We know where Biden's were. We saw them. They were sitting in an an unlocked garage by his Corvette. But isn't this amazing? Doesn't this frustrate you? Doesn't this make you go, come on, I don't care if you're a Republican. I don't care if you're a Democrat. We got to at least have somebody in that office whose mental capacity allows him to be held accountable for the actions in which he partakes. Don't we? At the minimum? I mean, what we really should have is the smartest, most charismatic human being on the face of the earth leading us as president. That's what we should have. But let's take that aside. We're down to two old men and maybe Big Mike. Word on the street is Big Mike's going to get in. Word on the street is Big Mike's going to bully her way and become a candidate as the Democrats finally figure out. You tell me this. I can't even believe we're having this conversation. 11 more months of this and then four more years of that? That's what you're saying? You're telling me five more years, that guy right now does not know where he is, where he's been, even when his son died, and you're telling me in five years? They call it cognitive decline. They don't call it cognitive get better. It's astounding to me. But what's even more astounding is we allow it. We allow it. Hey, we're good with it. The dude tried to set the record straight yesterday and had to pause numerous times because he forgot. The dude didn't get right the president of Egypt and the president of Mexico and the president of whatever. This was his, I'll prove to you, I am not in cognitive decline press conference yesterday. Here was his ass, here was third base, and he didn't know which was which. And we're okay with it. You got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. I want to talk about this for hours. I'm not going to. I'm not going to bore you. But this should be the number one story. This is massive. Think about it. How dangerous is the world right now? How dangerous is our country right now? How on edge is this country with illegals coming in and the stories of rapes, the stories of crime, the stories of brazen criminal activity through the roof? And from Biden, through prosecutors, mayors, we're all compromised. And they allow it. How dangerous is this? And these are our leaders. Man, I wish I was a politician right now. I'd get fired. I'd get fired in a second because I would stand up on the mount and demand this guy get out of there. 
Get help. Get to the home. I don't care where you get to. And if we got to have Kamala Harris, then we got to have Kamala Harris. But my God. All right. Here's the deal on the Super Bowl. You ready? Super Bowl's coming up Sunday. And I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen in the Super Bowl. Brock Purdy's going to throw two interceptions. Write this down. He's going to throw two interceptions. Patrick Mahomes, the last number that I saw, was over 260. He's going to throw for about 320. Mahomes is going to go for 320. 310. 300. I mean, he'll be over 300. And Brock Purdy's going to throw two interceptions. They may be tipped. They may be because he's hit. I'm not so sure. I like Brock Purdy, but he's going to throw two. Not one, two. So if you want to make in a little bit of money, take over one and a half. Now, what's the game going to come down to? You know what the game's going to come down to? I always try to go by what I've watched and were I the coach. You guys know who Christian McCaffrey is? Do you know who the man is? Every time I watch Christian McCaffrey, every time, he does something where I go, wow, other running backs can't do that. Interesting. Other running backs didn't get two yards. Other running backs would have been stopped. Other running backs would not have broke through there. Christian McCaffrey in this game. This may be Christian McCaffrey's last game if I were Kyle Shanahan. Why? Because I'm riding that pony. There is not going to be a play early, early, where McCaffrey isn't involved in either carrying the football, catching the football, or faked getting the football. Hell, he might throw the football. If I'm going to go in, if I'm going to go down, I'm going down with my best. And when you look at the best, what's the best? Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuels, George Kittle. That's their best. McCaffrey's involved. Now, the game, however, is not going to be won or lost because it's not because Brock Purdy throws two interceptions. The game is going to be won or lost by which of the tight end groups have a bigger day. Here's what I saw in Kansas City. You ready? In Kansas City's win over the Ravens in the AFC championship game, I saw the entire Kansas City Chief offense, defense, sideline coaches get pumped up by Travis Kelsey's play. See, When you play basketball or you play football, any sport that has a little bit of strategy, you got to get comfortable with something. Basketball, defensively, you're trying to make the offense uncomfortable. Basketball, offensively, you're trying to go to things where your offense gets comfortable. It's why I said the other day when Indiana was down 13 with 10 minutes to go on the road, maybe 15, on the road at Ohio State, Indiana's going to get in this game, going to be right back in this game down the stretch. Indiana's offense was comfortable. Ohio State's wasn't. Indiana won the game. I digress. What's the comfort for the Kansas City Chiefs? You know it. Travis Kelsey. The comfort for the 49 is a little bit different. George Kittle, certainly. Debo Samuel, certainly. Christian McCaffrey, certainly. They got more options. And more options is 99 times better, except except when the one option on the other team pumps everybody up. Rice played better. Valdez, Scanling, Valdez, or Valdez, Scanling played better. Pachero played better. I don't care. Watch the tight end position and watch it early. 
Middle of the field, I'll never understand how they get this open. But when you watch, watch the comfort. Watch what happens when Travis Kelsey makes a play. Watch Kelsey make the play and then expand your eyes to the sideline or whatever the camera shows you that is around Kelsey. Teammates, huddle. I'm telling you, it's weird. He pumps everybody up, not by doing this, not by going for it. No, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about he pumps everybody up because for whatever the reason, Travis Kelsey's a guy everybody looks to. Maybe it's because he struggled earlier in the year and they're still not sure. Is he going to drop a ball? I'm telling you, the malaise of the Kansas City Chiefs offense begins and ends with Travis Kelsey. Kelsey, big game. Ain't no doubt in my mind the Kansas City Chiefs win that football game. Kelsey drops one early. Ain't no doubt in my mind the 49ers going to win that football game. You think I'm nuts. But in games like this, with the talent so great, playmakers so high, coaching so great, preparation out of this world, it comes down to who gets more comfortable and what stars make the most plays. That's why. Man, oh, man, I'm telling you right now, right now, that ball is going to be in Christian McCaffrey's hands a minimum 20 to 20, 25 times rushing, depending. I mean, now, look, if he throws two pick sixes, McPurdy, and you're down 21 to nothing, it ain't going to be ran. But in a normal game, I'm giving him the ball 20 to 25 times, and he's catching the ball a minimum five to 10 times. I'm getting the ball in McCaffrey's hands. Now, there's a lot of plays. Doesn't mean I'm not going to Debo. Doesn't mean I'm not going to kill. Doesn't mean that at all. But my best, baby, the great Rick Venturi, 40 years studying the NFL. Danny, it's players, not plays. All right? Players, not plays. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what it is. Players. Play us. Look at George Kittle looking all weird. Ah, this is weird. This is, see, this is weird. Trent Williams, stud, left tackle. I I get amazed by this. Trent Williams being sued because he lets dogs run all over his uh, rented house, tearing everything up. Listen to this. Super Bowl bound 49ers tackle Trent Williams is sued by a former landlord for letting his nine dogs trash a $8 million California mansion that was left covered in feces, urine, and rotting food. Rosenberg's insurers are trying to claw back the $340,000 repair bill, as well as more than $50,000 in interest, according to court filing in Santa Clara County, where Williams now lives. Not a corner of the house was spared, and Rosenbaum had to part with hundreds of thousands of dollars before he and his wife could move back in. You know what I'm saying? Ron Artest did that here. Ron Artest could, had a house here right on Michigan Avenue. And it was his house. He wasn't renting it. He would leave. There's all kind of people living. My son came, or my daughter came home one day and said, Hey, Dad, you know who Ron Artest is? I go, Yeah, place for the patients. He goes, Yeah, I just had lunch with his daughter. And then the kids would be gone. It was the weirdest deal ever. But Artest would spend, I'm being honest here, every month rip out all the carpets, put new carpets in because he would let his dogs, you know what? He would let his dogs run around, tear crap, all of it, in this kind of mansion 
on Michigan Avenue. And then he would just fix it, but it was his. Can you imagine being so irresponsible? Can you imagine? It's unbelievable. It is. You've gone out there and you're putting millions of dollars. You're renting from a guy. You're renting from a guy and a girl and a woman. And they think, cool, I got Trent Williams. And you tear it up. My family, I was third owner of a house. We rented it to Jalen Rose. This is why I always kind of like Jalen Rose. Jalen Rose rented our house. And we're like, oh, man, I don't know, NBA guy. You know what I'm saying? Jalen Rose wanted in there, you can't come in the house. Once I take ownership, there is no, there is no hey, look. I'm going to go in and look. No, it was none of that. We're like, oh, man. Then they put sheets up on the windows. You know what I mean? I'm just saying. Sheets up on the windows. And the sheets up on the windows, we couldn't see in. The sheets up on the windows, so we're like, hey, man, I don't know. When we finally got in the house a year later, it was immaculate. Immaculate. Jalen Rose is America's best rental. America's best. But Trent Williams, uh uh-uh. Ron Artest, uh uh-uh. The stories of Artest are legendary. But he would tear out. I I was told he spent 50 grand a month figuring out, 50 grand a year on carpeting. That's what I was told. Because his dogs were just left. There would be people coming in and out. There was a kid that went to Zionsville High School with Artest. He was on the basketball team, and then he was just gone. Just gone. Where'd he go? Huh? Went back to New York. Hey, man, who's living in that house? I don't know. But that's the world. Trent Williams decided, you know what? I got no respect for nothing. Listen to this. Williams, who kept pit bulls in his house in Texas, is accused of allowing as many as nine dogs to run riot all over the property, leaving it uninhabitable. Not a corner of the house was apparently spared. Rosenbaum had to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. What a jackass. Now, this is a guy that beat cancer, so I was kind of digging on him. I wanted him to have a great Super Bowl. And now he's just another disrespectful, entitled, and I got no respect for him. We're talking Super Bowl today. Yeah, we are. We're also going to talk Indiana-Purdue matchup. I think I'm going to the game, but when I wake up in the mornings, I don't want to go anywhere because I got up nine times to pee last night. It's hard being double shizzle. Anyway, Joe Theismann is going to join us. I cannot wait. Joe Theismann, always one of our favorite. Marshall Newhouse, offensive lineman in the NFL, is going to join us. I want to talk about Max Crosby. Hey, congratulations. Joe Flacco, comeback player of the year. And more congratulations. You know I love Lamar Jackson. You know I love me some Lamar Jackson. Congrats, Lamar Jackson, MVP. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. The great Joe Theismann joins us, and I got to get right to this. We've seen last night all the awards, Max Crosby, all these guys. Who was the baddest dude? Like, I know, we all know what happened with Lawrence Taylor and you. That's fine. But who was like, 
you're lined up because you played against some bad mothers. Who, like Mean Joe Green, these guys. Who are the baddest dudes of your time that you're like, oh, man, here we go? Well, you know, it was always going to be a Dallas Cowboy uh, game. Randy White was like one of the most relentless people and uh, wouldn't think twice about giving you a shot in the back of the head. Um, Ed Tutal Jones was so big but so nice. Harvey Martin on the other side, he wouldn't think twice about taking you out. Um, obviously, Lawrence. You know, and, and people talk about Lawrence, and they should because that's how great he was. But Leonard Marshall, the end on that side, was a great contributor. I mean, they, they made a great combination. If you tried to block Lawrence too long, too hard, Leonard would get on top of you. Um, obviously, Bill Berge with the Philadelphia Eagles was another middle linebacker who didn't like And Matt Millen. You know, Matt, we used to play the Raiders when Matt was there. Matt would come blitz. He'd say all these things that, on the line of scrimmage. Yeah, Joe, I'm going to rip your head off. Adam. You know, all these things, right? So he'd get me on the ground on a blitz or a sack or just hitting me after I threw the ball. And he'd go, so, Joe, tell me, how's the family? Everybody doing okay? I'll be back. <laughs> And it was just, you know, it was a, it was a fun time. Um, but I, I, you know, I was so blessed to play. And when I did, I, you know, the guys today are terrific. I mean, they're unbelievable athletes, just like we had them as well. Cause people come up to me, Dan, all the time and say, Hey, Joe, you know, this era of football player is better than the era that you played. in." And I say to them, I tell them, look, well, if you believe that that's fine, but my guys are in the hall of fame. So I guess that makes them pretty good as well. Yeah. I was, you know, not bad, you know, like, uh, pretty, I always said this. I was a big Bears fan. I always said Mike Singletary was great, but Wilbur Marshall oh. and Otis Roper or Otis uh, Wilson were unbelievable, right? Those guys. That that combination, that front seven of the Bears were some of the greatest athletes that ever got put together. You know, obviously Mike, Wilbur, and yes. Otis, unbelievable. But then, you, you, you know, I've got Hampton. You've got Fridge. You've got McMichael. Uh, you've got Dent. Um, all of all of them were just great, great athletes. There's always the great debate between the Raven defense and the Bear defense. And I only played against the Bear defense, and you're hard-pressed to find anybody better. Well, I mean, I'm biased as hell, but I remember thinking, man, teams can't even get a first down against the 85 Bears when they were really rolling, including the, the Dallas Cowboys. Defensively, I didn't realize until really – probably the last month, how good this defense is with the Kansas City Chiefs. They just don't give up points, Joe. The last month, Dan, you're so right. I mean, you know, Patrick Mahomes had a heck of a year. The problem was most of the year, guys dropped the ball. They had 38 drops this year. And only, I think, one or two in the playoffs. The last three weeks, the Kansas City Chiefs have played like everybody sort of expected them to play. And Patrick has just been, usually Patrick, sensational. Um, and, and you're right. The defense, what I, the defense has really been good, but what I appreciate is the way Spags has designed the defense, depending upon who's on the other side of the ball. You take a look at the Baltimore defense or the, um, the Buffalo offense played them different. They wasn't, he wasn't going to go a lot of man to man there. He was, you know, he's going to make Josh work a little bit or work a lot. And then with Lamar, he put people to the line of scrimmage said, listen, you're not going to beat us with your legs. We're going to make you get the ball out of your hands. I'm going to go man-to-man. Now, if your guys can beat my guys one-on-one -on -one with you throwing the football, then maybe you beat us. But I'm going to take my chances that way. It's, it's sort of like you look at the percentages and what do you believe is going to be in your favor. And I think that's the way Spags has analyzed it. I think he's got his hands full with San Francisco, though. 
What do you think about it? Let's take the offense against that defense. You said hands full. What do you see out of San Francisco's offense? I think, first of all, it's going to start with Christian, um, to be Christian McCaffrey. I mean, I, I believe that they have to run the football to control that defense a little bit. Like you say, they're playing really, really good. Um, you're going to try and get uh, Debo in one-on-one matchups, create opportunities. And and then, you know, Ayuk down the field is, is something else. I mean, they can attack different zones of the defense. You can swing it out to Christian, make somebody miss, you got eight, nine yards. You know, you, know, you put Debo across the middle. Then you go Kittle, maybe on a corner route, you got 10, 12 yards. Then you stretch the field. So they attack every zone that's presented, the short one, the medium, and the deep one uh, in defenses. And, and I think that's what they're going to want to do. But it, it's, this is crazy. I think people may think I'm crazy. Well, they do. They think I'm nuts anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but I really believe that the two running backs in this game, Pacheco and McCaffrey, uh, will play a very big part in the outcome of this football game. Obviously, the quarterbacks will make a difference. But what they're able to do with the ball in their hands will make a world of difference. I just said this. I have a friend, good friend, 40 years in the NFL as a defensive coach, Rick Venturi. <clears throat> and he always tells me, hey, Dan, big games like this late in the game, it's players, not plays. You know, and so I look at this, and you were mentioning McCaffrey. I just talked about McCaffrey. I would, I would make him involved damn near in every play at least to start, whether it's catching, throwing, I don't care. I'm, I'm involving him. I want my best having the football as often as they can, at least early. Your thoughts on yeah, that? Well, you get him out in space and let him go one-on-one. By the way, Rick was – I used to love interviewing him when I was in broadcasting. Uh, please tell oh, him yeah. hi. Absolutely. Great guy. Hey, Terrific Joe, coach. you turn him on, it just goes, man. You you ask him a question, <laughs> he just goes with it. I've been accused of the same thing, Dan, to be honest with you. Me too. Um, but I, I really do. I think, I think you want to put Christian in the best possible situation. You want him in one-on-one matchups, whether it's a defensive back, a linebacker, it doesn't matter. But, you know, the thing about him is he can run inside as well. I mean, you hand the ball to him and, you know, all of a sudden it's second down and four. He's just picked up because he, he's strong, he's effective. It's like Pacheco. You know, you get, you get him running on the edge. I mean, he's going to bounce up just like he always does. Um, you're not going to see this the kind of intimidation that we sort of saw with the Ravens and, and, you know, Kansas city and Kelsey getting in somebody's face. And, you know, guys are, guys are going to play smart. They're going to play hard. They're going to play smart because both of these coaches are exceptional. I mean, Andy and Kyle are two of the best play callers in football, probably could be one and two. So I'm very curious to see what they're going to come up with. I remember in Super Bowl 17, we're in a, the quarterback beating the night before. And we had what was called an explode package where we had everybody line up in different positions. When I got up under the hut, under the center, I went hut and everybody sort of exploded to where they were supposed to be. So coach Gibbs is sitting there and, you know, he's designing the plays. He says, look, we're going to use the explode package. We want to use it down around the goal line. If we get that opportunity. And he said, one of the reasons why I'm just curious to see what the announcers are going to say when we do this. And, and I think, you know, that's almost when you watch Andy Reid devise plays and, and as well as Kyle, you know, they're waiting for that moment to come up with the play that's going to get people talking. It's interesting. It's fun. It, it is. I mean, Urban Meyer used to tell me he had a momentum play and he had a stop momentum play. You know what I mean? Like, we got to get yeah. this thing juiced up. We got to get our, you know what I mean? We got to, hey, are we not talking about, or are people not talking about, or maybe is the San Francisco defense underappreciated, undervalued? 
I think I think the way they played the last couple of weeks, they've gotten some rough starts. I don't believe they can come out against Kansas City and play like they did the first halves of these last two games. Uh, I mean, you know, it was twenty-seven, well, twenty-four-seven at the half against Detroit. You can't you can't spot Kansas City that many points. I think they're going to have to do a little bit better job of tackling. Their front's going to have to bring a little bit more pressure. Uh, and to be honest with you, you're going to want to try and control Patrick as much as you can. And so to keep him in the pocket, to keep him there, I think is very, very important. But yeah, I think their defense has to step up. And believe me, I guarantee you Kyle's hammered that away at him because this isn't the first rodeo these two have gone at it. Joe, I got to ask you, you're the perfect guy to ask. I I don't know you, but I feel like you kind of study quarterbacks and more than anybody really know the history here. Where? Patrick Mahomes, you know, it, it, it went from, okay, Bart Starr won the most titles and Johnny Unitas was the greatest and nobody threw it better than Dan Marino, but Joe Montana, he's the greatest. And now Tom Brady, okay. Where, Patrick Mahomes off to a pretty damn good start here. And if he wins this one, I don't know. Where's he at here? He's, he seems like he's got a shot to be an all-timer. I think, it, you know, it, it's so hard. Um, to be able to do that, Dan. And this this is my summation of the quarterback position. And it really is the way I look at football. You have to break football down into about 20-year increments. From 2023 to 2000, who are the greatest players? From 2000 to 80, from 80 to 60. You remember, there were 14 games when I came in the league. Then it went to 16. Now it's 17. Heck, if you don't throw for 3,000 yards in this particular era, you shouldn't be carrying a quarterback card. And so, and it's the same thing. Oh my God, thousand yard rushers. Look at that. It's incredible. That's 67 yards a game. Now even less with 17 games. That's not an accomplishment. So I I think we really have to put in perspective the ability of individuals. And I believe you do that in championships. That's why I think Tom's the greatest. I think Joe's right up there. No question. You know, obviously Terry, you know, Troy's got three. Patrick brings a uniqueness. He brings a Brett Farvish type play to the position where he he does things, arm angles, moving around, making throws you wouldn't expect, pushing the ball forward, throwing it underhand, doing all these things. There was a great piece, and I'm trying to remember whether it was ESPN or whether it was the NFL Network. There was a piece having Steph Curry analyze Patrick Mahomes as a basketball player in high school. And then Patrick would comment and talk about his basketball background really aiding him at the quarterback position because when he does break the pocket, he does see the entire field, just like you have to when you're a point guard in basketball and then making certain kinds of moves to try and get the ball on the hoop. So I, I think he's, you know, he's got to be in the conversation of, of one of the top guys ever in the history of this game. Joe, you, this is the reason I've always been a huge fan. Okay, and Mahomes seems like you in this regard. People don't know, and it seems incredibly stupid right now. But my man here used to return punts, used to return (laughs) kickoffs, and he was the quarterback. I feel like, all right, this is probably Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, to me, always seemed like a guy who was programmed to be a quarterback from the time he was seven years old. Hold the ball here. Mahomes seems like you. Hey, I just, what, you want me to return kicks? Screw it, I'll return kicks. You need a safety? I'll play safety. What, no punter? Let me go. I'll punt because you did that too. That's why I like Mahomes. He seems like a guy like you that, what do you want me to do? Screw it. I, I'll do it. I did it as a kid. Leave me alone. 
Dan, thank you. I appreciate that. It's uh, it's true. You know, Patrick is, Pat, Patrick's going to do everything he can to win a football game. I I love the game of football. Matter of fact, people have asked me if you could go back, if the good Lord blessed you with health for one particular game, what would you do? I said, let me return punts. Let me just go out there and return punts. No, it was, it was no! so exhilarating. It was so, oh, absolutely. No. It was so much fun. It's you against everybody. You know, you, you, there's a certain point where the guys can only block so much. So you, you make two, three, four guys miss, and that's a pretty good accomplishment. Um, and, but I, I appreciate it. I, I just, you know, I, I still love this game very much. I try and study it as much as I can because it continues to change with all the young players coming in. We got, we got another crop of young quarterbacks coming in. You know, you talk about Matt Ryan being a guy who, you know, was like built to be a quarterback. Kirk Cousins was the same way and is the same way. It's like, it's like he was predestined because he was so sound. When he came out of Michigan State, he looks just like the kid that's playing today. Man, you know, you're talking, what, 9, 10, 11 years later. Um, so it's, it's just, I think it's a passion you have to have. It's like you with your, the show. You can tell you love what you do. And you'd, you'd run, not to do. put, you know, everybody else aside, but you'd be, on the, you'd be on the panel, you'd be working the mic, you'd be producing, you'd do everything. I would, but I ain't returning punts because them dudes are crazy, Joe. <laughs> them dudes are crazy. Hey, I cannot let you go without talking a little bit about Brock Purdy. And you came into the league. I think you told me this when you were on last, like you were third string. And I think it. For, I could be wrong about that. But how difficult is it for a guy like Purdy coming in, you know, where he was drafted to even get noticed as you start training camp as a rookie? It's hard. I mean, that, that's really your one audition. There's so much pressure on every throw. You look at guys today, there's only three preseason games, and the vets don't play. So basically, if you're trying to make the team, which is number one, you have to be doing things a little bit different. You have to catch the coach's eye. You have to make that great throw. You have to make that good decision. The thing that makes, I think, Brock so special is, first of all, great decisions. Secondly, I heard Debo Samuel talking about, they were talking about, what's it like to catch a ball from? It's like catching a pillow. You know, sometimes quarterbacks overpower the receivers and it becomes, they're trying to defend themselves catching the ball. That's not Brock's case. Great anticipation, leads people into holes, puts the ball in places where the receivers don't get killed. You know, that's why you see, you know, look at Tom Brady throw the ball in the middle of the football field. They were always low. You know, that's the way you protect your receivers. Brock does it all. And, and let me tell you, that offense is not an easy offense, first of all, to communicate, and secondly, to be able to execute. Um, take a look at how close San Francisco comes to the play clock running out between every play. I mean, there's a lot of verbiage there. There's a lot of decisions, a lot of things to be processed. But um, it, what I'm excited about is you've got somebody who's been there three times in Patrick. You've got Brock, who's never been there, who people continue to count out and just continues to step up to the plate. I'm tired of hearing people, you know, well, he's Mr. Irrelevant. No, he's he's very relevant, to be perfectly honest with you. But, I, you see, he's never been here. So he doesn't know what to fear. I mean, if, you, if you're doing something, right. you don't know what it's like. So why should I be worried? I'm just going to go out and do what I do. I'm going to run this offense. That's what I'm going to do. Here's one for you, though, Dan. Brock Purdy is going to make $870,000 this year. <laughs> Because of the collective bargaining agreement, because he was the last player drafted, he can't redo his contract until 2025, no matter what. And he plays in California. 
which means he's probably going to net about $400,000 when this is all done, said and done with. Make more money almost in the Super Bowl than he will for an entire year. But uh, hopefully people will recognize just how wonderful the young man is and give him a chance to have a few bucks. Uh, maybe he'll rival Peyton and, and Kelsey and Mahomes and those guys when it comes to commercials. You know what, Joe? It's like, I, I don't know. I, I remember talking to friends of mine that played in the NFL when you did, and they're like, hey, we wanted to win the Pro Bowl because we got a bigger check if we won. You know, that kind of yeah. thing. You know, that's – Purdy needs this. Yeah, I remember – I grew up – you were talking about – you were talking about guys throwing the ball. I grew up watching Bobby Douglas, man, and that dude was not throwing a pillow. Bobby Douglas was throwing a damn sledgehammer at him. Well, you watch, you watch Josh Allen throw the football. Josh is another one who can just light it up and rocket it out there. Um, you know, it, it's throwing. There's different gauges and different ranges of which you want to be able to throw the football. I always say, you know, when I talk to young guys throwing the ball, I said, throw a ball that somebody can catch. That's, the, you know, sometimes you got to put yeah. a little bit more on it. Other times, just make it so they can catch it and get a chance to run with it instead of trying to catch it and just defend themselves. Uh, it's, it's, part of, it's part of the growth with quarterbacks, and that's what we see with young guys coming in. You see young guys throw a 10-yard pass and a 40-yard pass, and you can't tell the difference in the velocity, which you really have to, I think, to be able to develop at that position. Who wins the game? I'm picking San Francisco. This is the earliest I've picked uh, a Super Bowl in a long time. But, you know, how do you bet against Patrick Mahomes? How do you bet against the people that have know. been there? But then again, San Francisco, Kyle, you know, they probably would have been here last year, to be honest with you, had Brock not gotten hurt because they were that good. Now, how, how much better is this team? I don't know. I think the question mark for San Francisco, the only one that I look at is as far as the defense goes. Because they haven't played the kind of defense that we've seen them play before. And uh, I think that's going to be the key. I'm running running the football with the two running backs. Um, I just saw Josh Jacobs uh, last night. We were visiting. I said, you know what? You, Saquon, uh, Pacheco, Christian gets a lot of the you know notoriety now. But, man, you, got, you are the guys are the, the uh, stir. You, you stir the drink. Without good running backs, you can't succeed. I mean, you know, you look at look at what Saquon did a couple last year, and you know, got Daniel Jones paid a lot of money, and so to me, I think the running backs just don't get near enough respect. And the other position that gets no respect is the center position. Centers are the traffic cops of the offensive line, and actually the offense. And believe me, you got to snap the ball between your legs. You have to identify, and you have people lined up an inch from your nose, slapping you in the head all the time. And they just do the best job. So those are those are two positions that I think people ought to give them a little bit more credit than they're getting. Man, I can talk to you all day, sir. Joe, thanks for coming on, man. Have a great time in Vegas. Appreciate it, Dan. Great being with you. I love talking to Joe Theismann. When I was a kid, man, I wanted to be Joe Theismann. I wanted to be Joe Theismann or I wanted to be Wally Chambers. There was a big difference there, right? <laughs> well, I mean, the dude was a quarterback with one bar – and return punts. And then he punted. What do you want me to do? You know, we play wide receiver. That's what we all grew up doing. Like, nobody went to camps to be a quarterback. Man. Hey, speaking, I can't wait. Marshall Newhouse is going to join us. Marshall, Super Bowl champ. I love talking to him. He won the Super Bowl. Yes, sir. And he is a free agent. He's out in Vegas. And we're going to get a chance to talk to him. Stay right here. It is a Super Bowl Friday. And I got to tell you, I'm having a great day. That's it. I got to take a break. 
We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, I can't wait to talk to this next guy. Marshall Newhouse played long time in the NFL, won a Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers, and now he's doing something I just learned that I tried to do. He is going back to school after graduating from TCU after an NFL career, and I want to make sure I got this right, Marshall. You're an executive <laughs> MBA program. I tried to go back, and I just could not do do it. My brain was like, screw this. I can't do it. So I congratulate you. Listen, it's an adjustment. You you don't realize after not being at school for a while, how different things are. You got to really rewire your brain, turn things back on. It's like kicking the tires for sure. Un, you know, a bunch of dust is getting unsettled in places you kind of stop using, <laughs> but I'm enjoying that part yes. of it. So it's been fun so far. So when you retire, you know, you're a young guy, right? I mean, I mean, in every occupation in the world, 30s is young, except for pro sports, and then you're the old man. Uh, <laughs> did you have a problem looking for something to do? You're going to be in media, you're going to NBA, or, or did you know, okay, this is where I'm headed? I had a couple ideas, but no. You, you talk to a lot of players where this transition is difficult. I don't care who you are. Some guys have a clear path, but – it's just a, it's a whole new identity that you're trying to find and trying to cultivate and then trying to find, yeah, trying to find a passion and just things that get you up in the morning. Because, you know, you've been regimented and had a structured life for so long. Um, it's an adjustment no matter who you are. Marshall, it's Friday. Super Bowl is Sunday. You've been in this. Um, when do you start or do you start realizing the magnitude of this game? I think the guy went to the uh, media celebration uh, when they first land, it becomes very real. Like everything's different. You know, you get that first week where you're still at home, you're still in your own comfort of your own bed, your own facility, and then you fly out and, uh, you know, the Niners are practicing at, a, at UNLV, a, a place that's unfamiliar. Uh, you're doing a little bit more media um, and you're just in the place that you're going to play. And to me, it starts being real. I mean, I was a rookie, and so everything was new when I was when I was going through that process. And you got your your eyes are bright, and you're just trying to take it all in. But once you get to the city, you get to the new facilities, your your hotel. I mean, those guys are 
they're out in BFE. I don't even know what that is, but they're they're not close. And so it's very much like all about ball, which you, you, you're okay with. Um, but yeah, those guys are, they're separated, they're locked in. Um, so they're ready to go. You know, Marshall, I've always said this. I coached for a long time and I always understood when I played, I understood that guys are different. Like some guys got to go out. Some guys got to find women. Some guys got to read the Bible. Some guys got to stay in. How difficult is it for a coach or a team to have 53 guys and not somebody screw around or screw up? Is that difficult? Because everybody is different. Everybody has different things they want to do. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't assume that you're going to uh, keep every guy on a leash or just, like, have them all be Boy Scouts this week. I mean, you're right. There's And ultimately, I think coaches know that, and they want you to have some kind of fun, but that, you know, it varies by your team and how how uh, mature your team is, what kind of leadership you have on the team. I mean, I, I think I saw a report that Pat is kind of trying to incentivize his, guy, their, his guys to, hey, man, just chill. Just everybody, I know you might need a release, like find something reasonable nearby, but just chill so we can get focused on this game and win the game, and then I'll treat you after when we win. So, um, you know, everybody's different. You know, in a place like Vegas, there's temptation everywhere you go. So, um, yeah, you definitely take that into account. I'm sure coaches are wary of just like all the things that could go wrong and hoping that at least they can get to game day without an incident. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, I want to get into the offensive line. A family friend of ours, the Allegretti's, Nick Allegretti, is now starting. He started last week. Joe Tui out. Nicky uh, came in and did a nice job for the Chiefs. How difficult is it for a guy like Allegretti to come into an offensive line? And it's not like you're playing a bad team. You're playing the best of the best. How difficult is it for a guy like Nick Allegretti to come in at this time of year? It's very difficult. And I give him a ton of credit, especially in coming in the AFC championship and playing as well as he did. Uh, it's a hard thing. And you're replacing a guy in Joe Tooney, who's a, a all pro pro bowl caliber guy. He's just been a stud and guard for his entire career. And so, you know, Nick's coming and done very well. Um, but yeah, this game is even the magnitude has grown even more. And so there's going to be an emphasis. I'm sure, you know, it's just, it is what it is. The other team knows where each guy is. They know where the injuries are. So they're going to be putting people trying to get Nick on one-on-ones in, in passing situations, trying to, you know, really put pressure on him. And the chiefs also know that they're a smart team. So they'll find ways to kind of, I won't call it hide him, but just kind of supplement his spot. Uh, on the offensive line with the way they call protections, the way that they run plays, um, and just give him help from his center and his tackle, and then hopefully give him opportunities to also show that he's there for a reason. He's a veteran. Um, he's been here before, um, and so I'm looking for him to shine, but uh, it's definitely very, very difficult. Hey, Marshall, give me give me your take on the 49ers uh, offensive line and the four, uh, and the uh, Chiefs offensive line. What do you see out of the 49ers offensive front? Well, the 49ers, uh, we'll start with them. Um, you know, it, it, it starts and ends with Trent Williams. You know, not to disparage anyone, but, like, the, he is the stud on that line. And the other four guys, you know, there's, there's something to be desired – there and so they use Trent as a weapon as they should. So they get a lot of uh production 
out of the pin and pull, getting him on the edge when he's running at DBs and they're running scared, uh, you know, stuff like that, and using his athleticism and his explosion. Um, and then with the rest of the line, they, they have an incredible run game that um, allows those guys just to fire off. That gives them opportunities to be aggressive. And so I'll look for them. I think this will be a big Christian McCaffrey game. No surprise there, I think, um, where they're going to scheme um, as much. Both of these defenses have uh, some susceptibility to the run. They've been giving up a lot of yards on the ground. So I think San Francisco is going to put the ball on the ground as much as they can. Um, and then on the other side, Kansas City, they've done a great job all year. Uh, they've got two tackles that are very good, but they're just everything is geared around giving Patrick Mahomes and pass pro just an extra half a second to a second because we see how dangerous he already is. But remember back to the Super Bowl in Tampa against the, the Buccaneers, the downfall of the Chiefs that game was their pass protection. So they're very aware, which is what smart teams do. They're very aware of just not leaving their tackles on islands for too long. And so um, they do a lot of good stuff early in the downs, under center with play action. They do great jobs chipping with Travis Kelsey and uh, Isaiah Pacheco out of the backfield, giving the tackles a little help. So the offensive line for Kansas City is going to be, uh, you know, it's a formidable four-down front for San Francisco, but they're going to they're going to have some schemed-up help, and then ultimately they're going to have to just strain a little bit longer to give Pat those those moments to, for him to be great because that's what this coming down to is the best player in football having his moments, picking and choosing his moments to be great and rise above the rest of the play. Who wins? Who wins? Man, listen, I think um, <laughs> San Francisco has the most, uh, you know, top to bottom has the better roster, you know, from position to position. I think Rock Purdy is playing really, really well within what they're asking him to do. You know, they've got the weapons in Debo Samuel, Chris McCaffrey, George Kittle, Ayuk. I mean, and they're healthy. They've had time to heal. And I like Kyle Shanahan. Um, but this game, to me, is still going to come down to if I've got a tie game or a one-score game and uh, there's a chance for Pat Mahomes to have the ball in his hand, I don't know how you bet against him. And so, to me, I, I'm taking the Chiefs just for that alone. And it's really not a fact against the 49ers. It's the idea – that we are in the midst and witnessing one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, who I think is the most locked in he's ever been. All the off the field stuff from his family, um, all the stuff from the team being a different makeup this year, more reliant on the defense. It's still Pat Mahomes and he's still, um, his mind is just so locked in on doing what he has to do with him making those plays that rise above the game. And I, I, I can't bet against him anymore. I'm tired of it. I'm done with it. Uh, yeah. So I'm taking the Chiefs. Hey, Marshall, you know, it's like your guy, Aaron Rodgers. Like, you, yeah. you, you get the ball in, in uh, Lambeau, down two. He's got the ball, got to go 80 yards. You bet against him. You know what you're doing? You're sitting there just waiting to die. With Pat Mahomes and Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, you're just waiting to die. You know what I mean? Yes. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. A little, a little you know, it's, you're like, this is inevitable type feeling. Yes. 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 It's just inevitable. And so I tell people all the time, look, I, here's my thing. 
Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, Kansas City Chiefs getting points. I just bet on them. I, I just, I, Marshall, I just bet on them, and whatever happens, happens, man. You know what I mean? I'm not a, I'm not a gambling man quite yet. Maybe I'll get into that if 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 my future career um is is hedged on that. Yeah. But uh, I don't know how people can comfortably bet against Patrick Mahomes. I mean, what's the spread now? Is it two points, point and a half? Like, to, that's a yeah. toss-up. And a toss-up, you're not taking the, the guy who's nipping at the greatest quarterback's heels of all time. It's hard, to, it's hard to do. I hope you'll come back, man. Good luck in everything you're doing. It's a great time talking to you. Thank you for coming on. Pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh, that's my pleasure. Look, that was fantastic. What a great guy. Marshall Newsom, our new house, excuse me. He's going to go get his MBA. He's going to get in meet. You're going to hear a lot out of this man. I hope he runs for office. That's what I hope. Go get an MBA, go be in the media, and then go become president of freak. We need guys like him. Smart dudes. But, boy, is he right. I'm telling you, I know you guys like, hey, look, Brock Purdy and Ayuk and all these guys, and you're telling me who I'm supposed to bet on, and I'm like, wait a second here. I don't know, man. Patrick Mahomes is hard. And it's same thing with Rodgers. I've told you this for years. Aaron Rodgers gets the ball. It's snowing in Lambeau. It's two degrees. Place is nuts. He's got a, a scotch in one hand, throwing the football in the other. Next thing you know, touchdown. Oh, man. And we thank Marshall Newhouse for coming on. We do. I mean, what a great, great guest. And Joe Theismann is fantastic. Marshall's fantastic. And this is just a uh, Joe Kinsey coming up at the bottom of the hour. And you all know that Joe Kinsey, he brings it every single time. But you know what? Super Bowl is this weekend, and I hate it. And I'll tell you why I hate it. Because I miss football. I do. Like, my daughter even is like, Dad, what are we going to do without football? I'm like, I don't know. I got nothing for you. What can I tell you? Hey, don't mess around with Ed Cooley. Ed Cooley's the head coach at Georgetown. He went back to Providence. People were pissed. Ed's a friend. Don't mess with Ed. Guys were coming at Ed. He just looked at one guy, some supporter, and goes, hey, man, you know what? I'm rich as a mother hubbard. Leave me alone. That's right. That's right, Seton Hall guy. Ed Cooley got that bag, yo. And Ed Cooley's a great dude. Ed Cooley has done more for young men, black, white, green, purple. I don't give a damn. He's just a really good, good dude. And frankly, if you don't like Ed Cooley, you don't like people. And I ain't mad at you, Ed. Hey, throw it right back in their face. Now, Georgetown's struggling. And you open yourself up for criticism, obviously, when you got one win in your conference at this time of year. But history dictates to me that Ed Cooley will get this figured out. I'm a big fan. Like Ed Cooley. Really like Ed Cooley. Ed Cooley is like his name. Very cool. Reminds me a little of me. Except he's more handsome. Uh, Jacoby Myers, a wide receiver. You know, it's become open season on Bill Belichick. Like, all of a sudden, out of the blue, uh, players, former players, are starting to criticize the king, the master, the goat. Jacoby Myers is the latest when he is talking about Mac Jones. He said, honestly, man, I don't really like it. And this isn't a knock on Bailey Zappi because Zappi's a dog, too. I like my boy. I'm happy he's doing well, too. But, man, how that went down with Mac, I kind of watched it all unfold the last couple years, and I feel like you could have seen it couple years ago, and tell that it would end up bad. 
I don't like singling people out, but I think they have to meet him a bit more. Because I know he's in the building working. I can't name too many people working harder than him. I hate to see it for him. I really do. Yeah, they got to help him. Talent. Now listen to this. This is where you get after Belichick a little bit. Yeah, to help him. Like talent. Uh Uh-oh. Coaching. Uh Uh-oh. Putting him in a better position to win, I think, would have helped their program a lot. It has become open season on the GOAT. You never, ever saw anybody even think about questioning Bill Belichick. You never even thought of saying anything other than positive things about Belichick. But I told you, I told you, I continue to tell you, once Brady left, here we go. Everybody was keeping score. Who's going to be better? What? Brady won a Super Bowl. Brady went to another Super Bowl. Belichick under 500, made the playoffs one time without Brady. Wait, what? Belichick's record overall, even going back to his days without Brady in New England and, of course, with Cleveland under 500. What does that do? Opens you to criticism. Even Bill Belichick, he of all the rings, even Bill Belichick, he of all the Super Bowls, even Bill Belichick, he of all the power within the league, gets open to criticism when you don't what? Win. That's why the only thing that I care about in the NFL is winning. College basketball, develop your team, get better early in the season, great. College football, frankly, only thing I care about is winning. However, winning has levels in college football. Indiana, my school, getting to a bowl game would be winning. That's not winning for the University of Florida. That's not winning for Ohio State. 11-1, and one, not winning. Ohio State, we got to beat Michigan, and we got to go to the freaking national championship final four. There's different levels. I don't care in the NFL about cap space. I don't care in the NFL about your draft picks. Winning matters, and you're seeing it. Belichick gave people an opening by not winning without Tom Brady. You ever walk out of a game, you're a big Colts fan, and you walk out, Lucas Oil Stadium, and you go, hey, that's all right, we lost. We got cap space. That's okay we're out of the playoffs because we signed Jonathan Taylor to a long-term contract. Why? Say what? No. You walk out pissed. Why? Because you lost. Period. Winning is it. I used to think when I was coaching, I used to think, man, I'm going to do everything right, and I did. Player development player education, graduate all my guys, do right in society, don't do drugs, drug test, kick guys off for smoking weed. I mean, I did it, raise money. I did everything right. Lost my two best for seven of my 10 years. Lost my three best for five of my 10 years. During the season, man, the AD, I can't believe what a great coach you are. You're, I, blah, 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 blah. Season's over. Your record is what your record is. Doesn't matter you graduate. Doesn't matter you raise money. Doesn't matter. 
You used to run five fundraisers during and after and before the season at Bowling Green as the head coach. Didn't matter. Got to win. All right. Scotty Scheffler is the latest to disagree with Roy McElroy's comments about live golfers returning to the tour. McElroy, who, I don't know, once his buddy Rom left, changed his tune. He stated players who left the PGA Tour irreparably harmed and should face consequence. Scotty Scheffler disagrees. Scotty Scheffler said a path, a path towards coming back. It wouldn't be a very popular decision, I think, if they just came back like nothing ever happened. They kind of left. They left our tour. That's part of it. There should be a pathway back for them, but they definitely shouldn't be able to come back with, without any sort of contribution to the tour. I think that if they want a pathway back, there should be one. But it shouldn't just be coming back in the first week and they want to come back and play. There should be a caveat to them getting back on the tour. Like what? See, when the NBA in 76 merged with the ABA, the NBA put caveats on it. They said, look, no TV money for X number of years. They put a number of things on those ABA teams, which included the Brooklyn Nets, then the New Jersey Nets, the Indiana Pacers, and others. Okay. All right. What should it be? Should it be a fine? Should you not be able to do what? I don't know. See, I've said this before, and I'll say this again. Maybe I said this. I got so many shows going, I can't remember what I said on what show. But I feel this way. Look, when you make a business deal, I don't care whether it's a sports business deal, a media business deal, or in those tall buildings downtown Manhattan or downtown India or Kansas City or Cleveland or wherever. A lot of deals going on. Sometimes you get the better end of the deal. Sometimes you get the worse end of the deal. Sometimes a deal works out well for everybody. Sometimes it doesn't. I think in this case, because it's individuals, not companies, I think you just got to chalk up the live players to make a better business deal than the guys that didn't go to live and not be bitter about it. I think you got to say, look, John Rahm made a hell of a business deal. He's going to get his $600 million. He's part of live, but he also gets to play in all of our tournaments on the PGA Tour. I think sometimes you just got to live with a bad business deal. I'm not saying you want to make a lifetime out of bad business deals. That's not right. That, you know, that gets you broke. That gets you homeless. That gets you penniless. That gets you in trouble. But I do think sometimes you just make a bad deal. Sometimes somebody saw an opportunity and they took it. You didn't want to take the opportunity. You didn't take it. Fine. How'd it work out? Well, it worked out such that the timing of things changed. The evolution of the deal switched, and now you're allowed to come back. Hey, I get it. That's the way it works. Ain't no thing. But that's not the way people look. What do people want? People always want retribution. People want to say, well, you know what? He betrayed us. No, he made a business deal, and a good one. You know, Let's just put it this way. Anybody that left the PGA Tour for, let's just say, for the sake of argument, a guaranteed $10 million or above. I don't know, $5 million or above. I don't know, whatever you want to make. If they are allowed to come back to the PGA Tour and play in PGA Tour events, prove themselves on the PGA Tour, because remember, right now, the way the PGA Tour stands, you got to make a cut to make money. But if they are allowed to come back and prove themselves on the PGA Tour, they made a really good business deal, period. Should loyalty 
of the PGA Tour, players like, like Rory, players like Scheffler be rewarded on the PGA Tour? I don't know, but I go to the Bible. Prodigal son came back. Fatted calves were killed. Party was started. Wine was flowing. Kind of the same thing. Because I tell you this, when you turn on the live tour, like I did on Sunday for the first time, you forget how many good golfers went and played on the live tour, and then you turn on the waste management, and you got some guys up there, and you're like, oh, this is fun. It's good. But it ain't the same. It ain't the same. Yeah. I don't know. A um, couple of things before we get to Joe Kinsey. Hard to believe, but 2018, there was a run on quarterbacks in the NFL draft. The NFL draft, well, in 2018, people said, hey, we got Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen. Remember Josh Rosen? When Josh Rosen was found in a um, – when he had a hot tub in his room, I thought to myself, yeah – I ain't in on Josh Rosen, but Josh Rosen got drafted. A lot of guys got drafted. I mean, tons of guys got drafted at quarterback. You know who the only one is to make the Super Bowl? Sam Darnold. Baker Mayfield, first pick. Sam Darnold, third pick. Josh Allen, hadn't made a Super Bowl. Uh Uh-uh, no, hadn't made it. Don't at me. I'm trying to see who the other quarterbacks were here. Wait, wait, Lamar Jackson, hadn't made one. He's in there, though. Oh, wait, the Colts took Shaquille Leonard. Yeah, how'd that work out? I don't know. Not great. Not bad. Not great. What are you going to do? Any other quarterbacks being taken here? I don't know. But the first pick in the draft, Mason Rudolph. He was drafted. He hadn't made it yet. Anyway, not very many, but since 2018, you know who was taken? Fourth round, Kyle Laletta. Where was he from? Richmond. Remember Kyle Laletta from Richmond? No, you don't. Don't act like you do. I'll smack you right in the freaking head. So good for Josh Darnold making the Super Bowl as the first quarterback. Josh Rosen was picked. Yay, Josh Rosen. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, sixth, seventh, excuse me, was Josh Allen. So among the first 10 picks, four were quarterbacks, first one to make it, Sam Darnold. You think Sam Darnold's going to have a place in this game? I don't know. i tell you who does have a place, my friend Joe Kinsey. we got hot women coming up. Nah, we got hot women. Look, this is the Joe Kinsey screen caps, hot women. Hey, I noticed the other day on screen caps that Joe had nice pictures of Jennifer Aniston. i got to tell you, I line up Lee Ross against Jennifer Aniston any day of the week. One is 53, one is 55. I'll line them up. And I'll tell you right now, I'll put him in a bikini. That's right. That's right. You put Lee Ross in a bikini, I'll put her up against J.A. any stinking time. Be right back. Joe Ross. Oh, Joe Kinsey next. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. 
Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh, it's my favorite time. I love doing this show every every day. I do, but 1030 on Friday, eh, it's special. Joe, before we get into the beauty, uh, the beauties that are on your screen caps, I want to get your Super Bowl prediction. Dan, we talked about it off air, and I got to take the wisdom here. I got to stick with the guys that have seen a few things in life. You, my dad, I talked to him the other day, and I said, Dad, give me some wisdom. He said, don't run away from those points in a game like this with Patrick Mahomes on the field. And I said, I can't. I said, that's it. Dan, I'm taking the Chiefs. Give me the points. I think you even said the same thing. Joe, I'm taking the Chiefs because I I, I just don't want to wait to die when Mahomes just kills you at the end. I, I feel like, you know what, I, I, I get – I think we both understand that San Francisco is really good. I think we both understand San Francisco has weapons. I do. But, man, oh, man, I feel like – and I'm curious your thought on this. I, I feel like Patrick Mahomes and his crew are pretty locked in here over the last few weeks. Exactly what my dad said, Dan. And he said, look, look at how close the Lions were to winning that game. They were right there. They were close to winning. Frisco looked dead. And uh, the Chiefs have not looked dead the entire playoffs. So you got to take the hot team. The team hasn't looked dead. So give me the Chiefs and the points. Let Brittany Mahomes celebrate. I hate her, but I'll let her celebrate if I win some money. She's in the uh, Playboy star. Not Playboy. She's in the uh, Sports Illustrated. She's wearing a little tiny bikini. Yeah, Dan, I, I wrote about it this morning. I said, look, Brittany Mahomes, I hate her. I'm on record. I hate her guts. I hate to see her have success. But if Brittany Mahomes is in SI, it's going to create emotions, Dan. Emotions equals content. Content equals page views. Page views equals paychecks, Dan. Mark it down. Remember that line. Oh, man, I got to tell you, I don't like Brittany Mahomes. I've had enough of Brittany Mahomes, but God bless her. I do like Hannah C. Palmer, though. Hannah C. Palmer. Roll the tape. Roll the tape. Roll the tape. Yeah. Roll the damn tape. Here we go. Ah, There we go. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Let's get Hannah C. Palmer up there, shall we? Let's go. Oh, boy. Dan, I'm telling you, this is the look. If I'm not in Vegas, you're not in Vegas, but this is what I assume was going on in Vegas this morning at like 3 a.m. It's the look of let's have fun in Vegas. Hannah C. Palmer, one of the greats. Your team knows it. Everybody in the world knows it. This is the look. Ladies, make sure you look like this Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Vegas. Joe, I got to tell you, the other day you put up uh, some pictures of Jennifer Aniston. And if you go to my wife's Twitter, at uh, Lee Ross, you'll see a picture of her side by side with Jennifer Aniston. I would argue that my wife is a better looking woman right now than Jennifer Aniston. I would argue that. And I'm going to buy her that dress right there because if she's wearing that dress, we may not leave the house, Joe. I, I, we may not be, I may not be able to get out of the house right there. 
Just Unbelievable. Saying. Unbelievable. Yeah. I listen. I will. T- I mean, go ahead. Do what it I takes will tell anybody. I'm the luckiest man in the world. What's congratulations. that? No, congratulations. I feel I I I do. I feel like I should be congratulated. One of the places I want to go is Lake Cuomo. And uh, Alexa, Alexa and Lake Cuomo, God bless Lake Cuomo and God bless Alexa, Joe. God bless her. Next. There uh, you go. Uh, Alexa Sarawick. Uh, Dan, she is uh, dating an NHL guy for the, uh, I believe, for the Islanders. She's from the Northeast, Boston, had a little dabble in television. She was trying to go the TV route, work in sports. She said, the hell with that. I'm going to do what a lot of women do. I'm going to lock down an athlete. She's with some guy from the Islanders. He's a young guy. He looks like he's like 18 years old. Uh, Alexa gets to go to Lake Cuomo. I think she has a little money, maybe a, a you know some inheritance. But uh, God bless Alexa, Lake Cuomo, NHL guys that get the hot women. They get. I, I honestly think NHL guys get the hottest women on the athlete market, Dan. I don't know. They don't make that much money compared to some of the other guys. But the NHL guys, they pull the Instagram models. I think the NHL guys are just cool. I do. I, I, I think NHL guys are tough. They're mysterious. I think NHL guys are just cool. I do. I, I, you know, uh, NBA guys are all about the club. NBA guys are for NFL guys. You never know if they're just going to go off and beat up their car. NHL guys, eh. They're just cool. Joe, I'm not bad. I'm not mad at going back to Vegas no. for this next lady, Joe. This next right, lady go. sitting there with her ass on a machine. Let's go. Uh-uh, that's last. Here we go. Hey, we got here, Joe. Rachel Stuhlman. Rachel Stuhlman, Dan. She is known as the world's number one tennis influencer. Uh, Rachel yes. is a big-time tennis influencer. She is also this week dabbling with Live Golf. That's why she's out there. There's all, you know, the party scene is hot right now. Live. Rachel went out there. She's influencing golf this week. Uh, she's influencing this slot machine too, by the way, Dan. It makes me want to play slots. I, I want to throw a hundred in there and play a little money, you know, win a little cash. But Rachel's a great one. She's actually a friend of Outkick. We love Rachel. God bless Rachel. And by the way, Dan, she knows her job in influencing and she loves that we love her job in influencing so it's a match made in heaven she loves screen caps it, is she competing with uh page sporanic uh, dan let me just say there is a budding uh i consider there is a uh developing war between the two i'm gonna say a war I, yes, this year, I, I know that there's gonna be a war uh because rachel is pro live Page is pro PGA, so uh, it's a war. Let's get it on. Get it on, ladies. That'd be it. That'd be a war. I'd like to see old school, a little bit of a blow up pool, some jello, and let's have at it. You know what? Wow. Ms. Wow. Garcia here is, well, like a man can dream. Ms. Garcia here is, is, that's just a left ass cheek that's staring us right in the face here, Joe. That's just yeah. a big old ass left ass cheek right there. Yeah. Dan, I had to make an editorial decision on this. Would this pass the the censors? I said it's a left buttocks. It is a swimsuit. It cleared the censors. It made it. I didn't think your team would take it because, you know, it is a little provocative. 
but your team saw a content play here. And I, you know, I, I had to take it. And, uh, you know, she's the Mexican weather girl. She loves to dabble right on the line, Dan. She she is uh, indicating, come to my OnlyFans, but I still want to play on Instagram. Joe, I have a thing. I, I have no problem with tattoos. My wife has a couple. But I would say this, Joe, this next woman – um, you guys think a lot more of than I, the vine down the side. My wife said she almost got that. I'm glad she didn't because we would not be married. E pluribus unum or whatever's across this lady's stomach. I don't need it. And Joe, I got to tell you, nothing says trashy more than a thigh tattoo. That's just my way of looking at it, Joe. It's my show. I, I can say that. I should have known your team was going to take this one. I looked at this one, Dan, and I'm like, oh my God. The tattoo on her on her leg is obnoxious. And I said, the hell with it. I'm taking it. I thought Dan's team would grab this one and look at it. You you brought it up this week. You guys were looking. You were analyzing. I saw these tattoos, and I was waiting on somebody to email me like, this is the trashiest thing I've ever seen. Uh, I don't know what she was thinking. I don't know what these women go through their minds when they say this is going to look good. But uh, I don't even know her name. I can't even pronounce it. I don't who the hell knows what her name is. But anyway, uh, trashy tattoo. This is a top contender of the year. Yeah, Joe. I, yeah, it, it just is. And God gave you a wonderful body. You know, you got it enhanced, which nobody's mad about. But can oh, we lose man. the e pluribus unum or whatever? I mean, do we do we got to go straight to Black Oak, Indiana, which is in Gary? Do we do we, do we got to go straight? You know, to Hillbilly Central. I mean, let's keep it classy, ladies. The what's thigh the tattoo, I don't city? care who you are. Yeah, what's the trashiest uh, city in Indiana? Well, I mean, there's a there, you got northern Indiana, my hometown, Gary, Indiana, Black Oaks, one of the communities. That's a tough area. And then in southern Indiana, it's actually a national health crisis between Austin, Indiana, and Scottsburg. More Austin. They're giving out free needles, Joe. You know, I, I ripped up on Scottsburg one time. Everybody lost their mind. Articles nationally. You know, I mean, hey, Joe, I got to tell you something. Uh, this next picture, this next picture, my wife will verify this. My entire life, I wanted a Volkswagen van. My, uh, my entire life. That, I didn't want, I don't know about a 1966 version my wife actually went to buy me one for my birthday a few years ago and then realized the deal she was getting wasn't a good deal, so she didn't. Going back to high school, I wanted a VW bus. This is beautiful. This is way prettier than that trashy lady with the E pluribus unum across her stomach. This is gorgeous, Joe. Absolutely beautiful. I saw this one come up, and I I was like, Dan Dockich is going to go nuts over this one. I, where would you even drive this, Dan? Where? What road? Everywhere. What road? I drive it. Hey, I drive it to the beach, and there ain't no beach around here. I drive up to Northwest Indiana, and I would drive it to the Gary, Indiana beaches of Lake Michigan, which are beautiful. Beautiful, Joe. How good I is that? I can't imagine pulling this around to the grocery store. I would drive it everywhere. I would take this to the school pickup line. I want everybody knowing I own this thing. I'm putting miles on this. I don't want this to sit in a garage. This one is a showpiece. 
it goes everywhere. Uh, one of the greats. I didn't even look up the price. I figure it's going to go for probably close to six figures. Amazing. I've never even seen one like this, Dan. I'm not an old guy like you, and I've never even seen one like this. Have you? Joe, I'm an old guy. I have. I. I. This is a big one. This is the limo. This is two tone. This is gorgeous. No, I. I. I just. I love it though. Mm. And yes, I tell you what I'm doing, and and this is going to be gross, but I'm putting a bed in the back, and I'm having the sex in that thing, Joe. I'm just telling you right now. I, that's what I'm doing. I'm going that's back Bill Walton style Woodstock. That's right. Back in the sixties. So. That's I right. Don't blame you. I don't blame you. That's ex that's exactly right. That's what they were doing. You know what? You get the ganja going. You get a bottle of a Mad Dog Twenty Twenty. Maybe a little Boone's Farm. Next thing you know, you got a bed back there. You open the door. It billows out. Everybody's hammered, and you go and you get your surfboard, Joe, and you run to the beach, baby. That's right, Dan. Whoever is going to own this is going to own life. God bless them. I am jealous of the life they're going to live with this van. Joe, do you have a that that? And I'm being and now I'm being totally serious. That Go ahead. that VW bus, may, maybe not that one, but the VW bus was and is my dream car. Do you have a car like that? That's a dream kind of car. Oh man, you put me on the spot. Uh, yeah. Not, not really. I mean, I love things like I love the unique. You've seen the quirky cars that I've shown you over the week, over the last few months. I don't have one that like jumps out at me. I, I, I waffle back and forth. I'm like a politician. I see this thing. I'm like, I need this. Two weeks ago, there was that uh, tank that was on here that looked like it was in Animal House. I'm like, I want that. I mean, could you imagine the looks you're going to get driving around town and that thing? Give me the unique. That's what I'm going to say. I want the unique. I don't need the like sports car. I want something like this where people are going to be like, holy sh, that's amazing. Yeah. I didn't say it. But I yeah. Too. Yeah. No, no, you could. Uh, the tank, I, I, that'd be great. I always wanted, this is a TV show way back. Robert Urich was Dan Tanner. The show was Vegas and he used to have his red, with the fins, like uh, a red, big old Cadillac with the convertible. I always wanted one of those. Uh, but nothing surpasses the VW bus in my world. Nothing. Zero. Nothing. I, I agree. Not. Beauty. All right, last Thanks. thing before I let you go, Joe. Oh, never mind. I think we're done. Hey, okay. Joe, Question. I've told people for years, be careful betting on the Super Bowl before Sunday morning because, well, players oh, yeah. have at different times, Eugene Robinson have problems. Do you, if I were going to say gun to head, will any active player on either team get arrested between now and the start of the Super Bowl? I'm going to say no based on where they're staying. I think that they're going to uh, – the Chiefs have been there before. The 49ers have been there before. I'm going to say no, but we are due. I will say that. We are due for somebody to go AWOL. Remember that incident. We're due for somebody to dabble in cocaine. But I just think they're too far away. Lake Las Vegas is like 35, 40 miles from Vegas. So I think they're too far away. They're in a resort. 
They're being housed in a, you know, security is probably guarding the gates of this place. I'm going to say no. If anything happens, it's going to be after the game. I think that's when the fireworks go off. These guys snap and uh, we get action afterwards. I think somebody gets arrested afterwards. And uh, Warren Sapp is in Vegas. Dan, Warren Sapp is in Vegas. I predict trouble out of Warren Sapp. We had him yesterday on one of our shows. He is mad at me, Dan. He wants to kill me. He hates me, Dan. He's a he's a Why? wild because I wrote about him and he thinks that I'm lying about him. Dan, Warren Sapp hates me. He's got a trigger finger this week. I think Warren Sapp runs into trouble. Joe, funny you say Warren Sapp. Whatever year the Colts played in Miami in the Super Bowl, I was doing a show. I was in Radio Row. My show was 10 o'clock in the morning. It was 10 to 1 in those days. So basically, Radio Row was just kind of getting going, you know? The yeah. only jackass that I met in media, or I watched in media, I should say, was Warren Sapp. He was loud. He was angry. He was stupid. He was on the set. That biggest set was like the NFL Network. And Warren Sapp, it was in the middle like a big boxing ring. You know what I mean? It was just the main, you know, the main thing. And he could not have been a bigger jackass. So you are doing well if a jackass like that does not like you. Congrats, my friend. Thank you, Dan. It's a badge of honor. Put it on my gravestone. He killed me. All right. You say you got the Chiefs, right? I got the Chiefs in the points, Dan. Good luck. Last thing, is there any bet, side bet, uh, prop bet that you're taking? Flip, the coin toss, the uh, the national anthem, anything? I think that national anthem is one to play. It's awfully low. I think I think she may go over on this one. They, they put it at a minute 30. She really going to go that fast, Dan? I'm going to take the over on the, uh, on the national anthem. Reba. Who's the singer? Who? I think it's Reba McIntyre. Oh, hell, she's going way over a minute 30. Yeah. She's going to be dramatic. This is her chance to, you know, this is her chance to get everybody to remember her. This is her Whitney Houston moment, Joe. What are we talking yeah, about? Think, yeah, I think it's I think it's an over. I think it's an over waiting to happen. I'm going to play that one, Dan. Appreciate you, Joe. Thanks. See you. That is the great Joe Kinsey. You can read and look at screen caps every night and every morning. I do. Uh, you know, this is normally the time of the week, the last 10 minutes, where I give you some bets. I'm going to give you one bet that is my house bet, and I will accept losing this bet. I will accept that I may lose the entire house that I own. I may lose everything. I hope I don't lose my wife or my children, but, hey, I'm taking Patrick Mahomes, and I'm taking the two. I'm taking Patrick Mahomes in the two because I feel like you've got the best quarterback ever. They seem, I don't know, I'm not there. I'm not in their meetings. But damn, <laughs> do the Chiefs feel locked in? I mean, they feel more locked in now than I've ever seen the Chiefs be locked in. They feel like, they look like, to me anyway, a team that has done this. You start out with expectations, you play, you win. And then you kind of lose respect. I said earlier in the year that Patrick Mahomes was making passes that told me he lost respect for his opponents. He was throwing interception. He was being careless. Well, he's not anymore. 
Not even a little bit. And then, of course, with the Chiefs, you go through the thing where, well, you know, Travis Kelsey's distracted because he's dating the Michael Jackson of our time. Well, maybe, maybe not. But all I know is this. He didn't look distracted last week. Chris Jones and that defense looks pretty locked in. Now, is that to say? Is that to say that the 49ers don't look locked in? No, they look fine. But as, as we talked about earlier, this was a team that was down 17 to the Detroit Football Lions. And if, if not for Dan Campbell making a couple of absolute imbecilic moronic, you cannot make those type decisions in a big game like that, I'm not sure we would be sitting here talking about the San Francisco 49ers. I think we would be talking about the Detroit Football Lions. I do. I honestly do. I mean, you kick a field goal to go up 17 in the second half, uh, seven and a half minutes gone in the second half. Look, there's only 30 minutes, and you cut out a quarter of it, and you still got the same lead as you had at halftime, and there's no momentum? You kidding me? Uh Uh-uh. Nope. No, sir. No, sirree. When I look at the San Francisco 49ers, I look at a team that was two Dan Campbell dumb decisions away. Now, you're going to say, well, they may not have made the kick. Hey, I don't care. And those things matter. Did you ever get the feeling, really? Did you ever really get the feeling that the Chiefs were going to lose to the Ravens? I mean, did you ever really get I understand people can say I love Lamar Jackson. And by the way, congratulations, Lamar Jackson. You won the MVP and deservedly so. But did you ever really get the feeling that the Chiefs were going to lose? I didn't. I didn't. I remember talking to my brother on the phone. He's asking me, what do you think? I said, I don't think the Chiefs are going to lose. I don't think the Chiefs, are even. it's even a thought. So that matters. Does it matter that you've been here before? Sure, it matters that you've been here before. But one of the things that also matters is you don't know what, you're not, what you don't know, and that's Brock Purdy. In a perfect world, because of how much I'm going to bet, I want the Chiefs to win, and I want Brock Purdy to play great. I want Brock Purdy to play so well that all of the racists on ESPN just shut the living hell up. That's what I want. Because you get tired. Like somebody says he's a game manager. All right, what does that really mean? I don't know. So the numbers are this for Purdy. The numbers are this for Mahomes. They've actually gone up. Brock Purdy over under passing yards, 248.5. I don't know if I'm going to touch that. I am going to touch Mahomes at 261. I want Mahomes at 261. I think Mahomes at 261 is pretty good, and I'm going to take it. Look, I got a feeling Mahomes is going to do one of those deals where, oops, oops, I did it again, and he throws for about three bills. Purdy over 0.5 interceptions is bad juice, minus 140. I got him throwing two. I'm looking for two. I am. Purdy red zone interception, plus 550. I don't know about that. Receiving props. Brandon Ayuk, 59. You got to figure out in receiving who's going to be the guy. I got a feeling Christian McCaffrey over 34 and a half might not be a bad play, and Debo Samuels over 58 and a half might not be a bad play. George Kittle's over 49 and a half, and I've said forever, hey, look, tight ends matter in this game. Tight ends matter big time in this game. I don't know, man. Travis Kelsey over 70 and a half. Whew. 
His guy, Julian, uh, Justin Watson, I'm not mad at Justin Watson at 16 and a half. That's some interesting stuff. If I said to you, if I said to you, close your eyes, what would be Christian McCaffrey's over-under? Rushing yards. 90.5. Wow. Debo Samuel, rushing yards. 16.5. Isaiah Pacheco. You know what his rushing yards is? 67. I don't know if I like any of those. I don't think I do. I don't think any of those am I like, well, you know what? I think they're great. Uh Uh-uh. I don't think so. Mm -mm. There's a DraftKings special. Listen to this. Pat Mahomes to throw 100 or one completion. Really? It's minus 20,000. Okay. All right. Yay, Ra. Go fight, win. Okay. Not touching any of that. Anyway, it's going to be fun. I'm going to take the Chiefs. By the way, I'm taking Indiana in the points uh, tomorrow. Indiana, 8 o'clock. I think I'm going to be there. I'm not sure. But Indiana goes to Purdue. Indiana can salvage its season against Purdue. Like the entire season, people would go, yay, Woodson. Yay, Indiana guys. I don't know. Purdue's pretty good, though. It's going to be nuts. We'll see what happens. I hope you have a great sports weekend. I do. I hope you have a blast. Have a wonderful afternoon. Dockage, we'll see you Monday.